American financing. I've been talking to you about it for a long time, asking you to please uh, uh, get your mortgage uh, refi. Get it refied right now or do a consolidation loan. If you're paying three or four percent on your mortgage, you're paying too much. Stu has uh, used American financing. I have used American financing. Uh, They get the job done. They're really good people. Uh, and they work for you. It's a family-owned business, and they have you covered coast to coast. I think even Sarah's used American financing. Isn't that right, Sarah? Oh, my yeah, gosh. But she's Sarah's wearing her drinking shirt today. So, <laughs> you know. But, Sarah, every shirt of yours is a drinking shirt, isn't it? Yes. Better believe it. Uh, 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. It's AmericanFinancing.net. Welcome to the uh, Glenbeck program. It's Friday, America. And oh my gosh, do we have some uh, good eating for you today. So, the press conference. Oh, I, I hate to play the embarrassing clips, but I will. Coming up in just a second. Also, if you're worried about gun control, there's lots of things you can do. We talked to Senator Tom Corbin. He's a state senator, Tom Corbin, from South Carolina. What they're doing in South Carolina is amazing. Uh, we go to him in 60 seconds. Stand by. The Glenn Beck Program. I can't wait until Bill O'Reilly gets here. <laughs> Talking about the press conference. Relief Factor. Wayne lives in Kansas. He labels himself as proof positive that Relief Factor works. He had been suffering from a ton of pain in his back and his right foot over two decades. Now, during that time, he tried a lot of different things to try to make the pain go away. And some of them work for a while and then they fade away. And here would come the pain again. Of course, there were other medications that he tried, the ones that made him, you know, feel like he had not really himself. He didn't really care for those. A few years ago, Wayne heard me talking about Relief Factor. He decided to give it a try. In three days, he says, his pain was gone. Holy cow. Two days after that, his foot pain was gone. Most importantly, it has stayed gone. Wayne got his life back. Now, that's I mean, that is fast. Usually you can tell if it's going to work for you within the first three weeks. That's why they have a three-week trial, uh, trial pack. If it's not working within three weeks, it's not going to work for you, probably. Uh, 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. So try it. Three-week quick start trial pack for only nineteen ninety-five. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384. It's relieffactor.com, 800-500-8384. Before, I mean, before we get to Tom Corbin, I mean, I just, I have to play one of the highlights, I think, 
of the press conference yesterday. 50 votes uh-huh. so that the vice president of the United States can break the tie right. or I get 51 votes without her. Uh-huh. And so I'm going to say something outrageous. Okay. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to Anyway, oh. I'm, we're going to get a lot done. And if we well, have to, if there's complete lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster. Now, have you heard any what? of the have you heard any of the main networks even talk about that? Was no, this, I, I was reading he was crisp, but he was on his game. Yeah. And he was, <laughs> they seem to think he did a good job. Wow. Which, I've never heard anything that awkward. It's terrifying. And I That's lived the, through the Reagan administration at the end when they were calling him senile and saying it. I never saw that from Ronald Reagan. Never. I've never heard that from anybody but my grandfather right before he went into the home. Yeah, not, not until Reagan was out of office, right? I mean, yeah. he, you know, when obviously he was having real problems, but uh, that was long after. Uh, yeah, this was, I, I don't know how you explain it. I don't know how you can just blow it off and say there's nothing there. With that, We're just, you know, conservative conspiracy theorists who are seeing something and imagining it. <clears throat> This is a problem, man. I mean, he's the, he's the president of the United States, even though, I, you know, I don't think he's going to be a great president. I would like to have someone who is at least alert and competent and can keep his thoughts yeah, together. Because it's not just this place. And we'll get into it yeah. here in a little while. And I, I can't wait to hear the opinion of Bill O'Reilly coming up in mm. in uh, just about uh, an hour from now. I want to talk to you a little bit because in the press conference yesterday, there was a lot of talk about gun control. And if if Joe Biden gets rid of the filibuster and he goes after guns, it is going to tear the country apart. I mean, you can't you cannot take away the AR uh, in today's world. That is the modern sporting rifle. It is what people use when they go hunting. It is what you use for sports. You don't use grandpa. It's like, honestly, it's like going uh, from uh, I'm trying to think of something that people who don't shoot would understand, but I don't think those people understand any. I mean, they still call, you know, a magazine a clip. I heard somebody oh, I actually. Tr- you have, I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority here. I grew up in the Northeast. Uh, yeah. I, we were not around guns. My dad was in the military, but we yeah. were not around guns at all. I would, without doing this stupid show every day, I would not know the difference between a magazine and a clip either. I don't think there's a lot of. Uh, if you know but being I mean, a gun person how do you even is talk different about than like yeah how do you talk to yeah. people who don't have any interest in even learning there's a difference between a magazine and a clip yeah it's difficult i mean like yeah. you know famously you know bloomberg who's who has spent more money to try to take your guns than anybody yeah. else in the country and yet carries one and, and yeah, of course has security and carries one but he, he was talking about an automatic weapon and didn't know the difference between automatic and semi-automatic i mean that's an even more fundamental obvious thing you need to yeah. know and he didn't even know that so the difference between going from a an ar an auto uh, you know a uh, uh modern sporting rifle and the one with the wood that you know you uh, you know, like they used in World War Two. It's like going from, you know, one of those black, scary pistols that you always see, like with James Bond that everybody has now to a to a cowboy gun. I mean, it's just it's 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 ridiculous. It's ridiculous. 
Now, there are things going on that you can get involved with, and I urge you to get involved locally uh, and at your state level to protect the Second Amendment. I wanted to talk to uh, uh, State Senator Tom Corbin of South Carolina because what they're doing in South Carolina is fantastic. They have you have an unorganized militia already, and it's been it's been there since the beginning of the country, right? Uh, yes, Glenn. Yes, hi, Tom. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You bet. Yes, our state. Our state constitution has in it, in Article 13, Section 1, it it has lined out a citizenry militia that's been in our state constitution since its inception. Okay. And I've I've been to South Carolina. I'm trying to remember, uh, remind Stu. I think he was with me. Um, One time when I was in South Carolina, I went into this this place and it's almost like a museum, but it's also they still meet there. It's It's a militia headquarters and they have the registration book. That is still in practice today, signed by George Washington. I mean, you guys have I had. Did not know that. Oh yeah, it's a it's an amazing place. Uh, but anyway, you guys have had uh, a militia from the beginning. So, what are you doing to uh, fight against the uh, the gun grab here? Well, that's a great question. Um, and there have been other bills sponsored in the General Assembly in South Carolina. Uh, for example, there's one dealing with the uh, Second Amendment sanctuary state, okay? Mm-hmm. And I co-sponsored that bill. But basically what that bill does is that if the Attorney General determines that um, a law coming out of Washington or an executive order is unconstitutional, then no state <clears throat> funds can be expended to enforce it. You know, which is great. I mean, yeah. that's a that's somewhat of, of a pushback against Washington. Right. But I always wanted to pass a law creatively that would ensure and give comfort to the people that I serve that Washington could not come down here and confiscate any of the weapons that we legally possess now. That that was the goal of this bill. So um, when I was thinking about how to do that, and I'll be honest with you, I collaborated with Dr. Edwin Vieira, Jr., who's a constitutional scholar, Mm -hmm. and um, I was trying to make this a great bill, had a lot of help from staff in Columbia. But the idea was, when you look at uh, previous Supreme Court rulings and you look at the, the United States Constitution, which says in the Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, and these commas are important, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. You and I understand that that, that the part about our Second Amendment not being infringed, and infringed means to act so as to limit or undermine something. That's the definition of infringed. Right. Okay. So you and I understand that that means the citizens of this nation, okay? But sometimes Washington uh, can be scary in the way they think. So what I wanted to do was craft legislation that would actually um, um, it would mesh and it would layer it would give layers of protection. So because we have what is deemed an unorganized militia um, in South Carolina, you're either if you reside here, you are a member of the National Guard, the State Guard, and if you're not a member of one of those, then you are in. The South Carolina unorganized militia. You're automatically as a as a citizen of South Carolina. As a citizen, okay, okay. that's correct. Yes, right. exactly. So when 
when the Supreme Court has looked at, at, at the Second Amendment, they always look at it in terms of, well, does the Second Amendment apply to every citizen or just to the militias? Okay. Uh, well, they've always determined it applies to the citizenry, which is great, which is what it does, and they should do that. Well, suppose that a law was passed or an executive order that went back up to the Supreme Court, any sort of confiscation, and they did decide that it was only the militia. Okay, this bill would then still protect every citizen of South Carolina because we are in a militia. All I had to do was go in and define what the armament or weaponry of that militia was. And that's all the bill does. People have a misconception. They think we're forming a militia and, you know, we're trying to start a militia, things like that. that. That's not it at all. All this bill does is define the weaponry of the militia. And that's in Section 2. It says an, organ, an unorganized militia member at his own expense shall have the right to possess and keep all arms that could be legally acquired or possessed by a South Carolina citizen as of December 31st, 2020. And that date was just picked at random, Glenn. Mm-hmm. And we, I could use today's date, okay? This includes, but is not limited to, shouldered rifles and shotguns, handguns, clips, magazines, all components and all ammunition fitted for such weapons. It's really um, uh, a very brief bill, a to-the-point bill, but it's, it's designed to prevent the federal government from ever confiscating anything that we can legally have now because of the way it's crafted. They are the armament of our militia, and the government cannot disarm a state's militia or a standing army in a state. Well, you might be the only one, because uh, I don't know how many states have a state militia like that. Do you know? I honestly don't know. I would think that some states, um, particularly those that were you know involved with the Revolutionary War at the time, or, or the, the, these areas you know um, along the coast, um, would have some sort of provision like that. Mm-hmm. I haven't really researched other states. Uh, they some may do, some may not. But that was um, the uniqueness of South Carolina that I discovered, and. I felt like through all the collaboration with all the uh, wonderful people who helped me with this bill, that that would be the the best way to approach any sort of gun gun confiscation. Right. I love the idea of sanctuary states, Second Amendment sanctuary states. That's a, but that, that is Second a Amendment. that's a speed bump. What the, what you do is what what the sanctuary state uh, movement means, and it's really important is that it says no state resources. So the lo- the local law enforcement, nobody can help the federal government take guns away. But it doesn't stop the federal government from coming in and doing it themselves. The, yours does, because you say, exactly. wait a minute, uh, no, this is, you have actually state resources that can be used to stop the federal government from doing that, Correct. Exactly. Right. These weapons that we possess are part of the weaponry of our of our organized and standing and well-regulated militia here in South Carolina. One last question for you. I didn't hear bullets or uh, ammunition in that list. Uh, I, I, I glazed over it, and I'm so sorry okay. for the last sentence. It says all components and all ammunition. Okay, good. <laughs> good, good, fault. good. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, Senator uh, uh, Tom Corbin from South Carolina, thank you so much for uh, what you're doing. And, gosh, we may thank be counting you, on the people of South Carolina. Thank you. Well, I hope other states have and Thank you, Glenn. You're a true patriot. Thank you so much for what you do. You bet. 
I hope that you and your state are thinking this way. By the way, I would I would love to see the numbers of new weapon purchases this week. You can't <laughs> even get close in Texas. And here everybody has guns. You can't even get close to a gun store now. I mean, the line for guns, the ammunition, forget about it. Forget about it. Nothing increases the amount of firearms in this country than a Demo- better than a Democratic Democrat. president. Oh, yeah. The, yeah the, I mean, I think really the gun the, the gun uh, companies are like, oh, come on, Biden. I can't wait for Kamala. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let me tell you about Hustler Turf. If you are if you are um, uh, mowing the lawn every every weekend, especially if you have a large lawn back in the 1960s, something happened to uh, help you. A company named Hustler invented something called the Zero Turn Mower. Back then, mostly used for industrial products, things like, you know, mowing the sides of roads and everything else. But people started seeing that and they're like, whoa, that is fantastic. And the demand for that version uh, to be used on regular lawns got bigger and bigger and bigger. And here we are. Now you can go in and all these other companies are like, look, it's a zero turn lawnmower. Uh huh. Uh huh. The company that invented that in the 60s and then worked out all of the technology to make sure that it is rough and tumble and it works is Hustler. So if you're in the market for a lawnmower, this will cut your uh, grass in about half the time. You can look at all the other lawnmowers. In fact, I encourage you to go out and look and then A-B compare. I'm telling you, there is nothing that compares to a Hustler. Find a dealer near you and go test drive one. HustlerTurf.com. That's HustlerTurf.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Uh, by the way, there is uh, something that is happening in 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 over 20 states now. Four have already done this. Uh, 20 states are looking to uh, pass legislation on the Second Amendment to, to beef it up and to be sanctuary states. Uh, and you also have uh, over 400 counties. If you look at the map of the United States, county by county, and you see the number of counties that have already passed a uh, gun sanctuary. It should tell the the left and the media America is not going to give up their guns. They're just not. Uh, it is everywhere. Look at the look at the map. Wow. Uh, it's everywhere. Strangely, nothing in Montana. I mean, it's almost as clean as California, but California even has in Northern California has some uh, some counties that have passed this. But if you see uh, yeah, there's a lot of red state uh, growth available there, too. I mean, there's, there's very, very little in Nebraska, nothing in South Dakota. Yeah, very almost little. Almost nothing in North Dakota. It looks like is that Alabama that there's nothing? Mississippi? I mean, that is uh, that's pretty remarkable. Um, but there Very is little, yeah. there are some states that are almost completely filled in that haven't passed it as a state, but all of the cities and the counties have passed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you need to get involved in that movement. Uh, Texas, the governor just uh, endorsed the uh, movement here in 
uh, Texas, and it has been proposed. Everyone should be on the phone with their state legislator and their state senator and their governor's office and say, I want the Second Amendment protected. I want something like a, uh, a sanctuary state for the Second Amendment. In fact, all the bills of Bill of Rights. And they're coming here for this. I mean, you could tell it was interesting listening to the press conference yesterday. Biden was asked directly, are guns your top priority? And he didn't answer directly, but he did immediately pivot to infrastructure. He's like, it's about all about timing. Timing. What's the order that you do it in? And, you know, infrastructure is really important. Told you that yesterday, didn't I? Yeah, I think you did mention that. Yeah, I mentioned that it is. It's not the storyline is not finished complete they, 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 they have to have the right storyline they need the right example they need yep. the, they need not a guy named uh you know ahmad to be uh-huh. the shooter they uh-huh. need someone named you know ted so when he pivoted <laughs> they, immediately they, 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 to it needs to be a trump supporter they need to be wearing a red hat they need to be you know that's right, what they need right. and once they get that they'll go for it but i wonder if there's anything in the infrastructure bill i mean remember that's a what three billion four i mean trillion yeah it was a, it was a Pushed out there as three trillion, and they started looking at it cl- more closely. It's actually more like four trillion. So I wonder what's in that bill. Is there something in that bill that will help them on guns? It's not fully uh, baked yet. I mean, they may very well. They may know what it is. They may have it written, but the the details of it have mm-hmm. not been released yet. Just mm-hmm. the outline uh, of the four trillion dollars. Just the outline. Just the outline. How long would it take you to spend four trillion dollars? I mean, you would think that. Uh, that that would be easy, but yeah. I don't think so. At any other place than Taco Bell, it would be very, difficult. it would be very difficult, very difficult. Very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I talked to Brian Riedel yesterday from the Manhattan Institute about this. Yeah. He was just blowing my mind at how much, I mean, I, this is Biden is coming in and tripling our debt, tripling it. And no one's even noticing. No one's even noticing. He was going through all the comparisons about these these old timey days. I mean, pre coronavirus, like, yeah. Uh, where I, you know we've lumped on more debt in the last you know year, and what Biden wants to spend in the next uh, you know ten years that just wipe out everything. I mean, we might as well not even have had a country the last two hundred years. I will years. bet you that we have lumped on more debt from January to today than we did from George Washington to Ronald Reagan. Jeez. I mean, I'll, I'll bet is, you. This is a problem. Uh, he, this is a problem, guys. You think? Yeah, it's not going to end up. It's not going <laughs> to end well. End well. Mm. Ah, yeah, it will. <laughs> okay, good. We'll come up Woo! with something. AOC is on the scene. <laughs> this is the Glenn Beck Program. It happens fast, and you don't always know why. Uh, maybe you had a password that was easy to guess, or you entered personal information into an email that was a scam. Whatever the case, you'll find yourself having lost your identity online to some cyber criminal, and now you have a giant mess to clean up. How do you even do that? Well, the first thing, you have to understand how cybercrime and identity th- uh, theft are affecting our lives. Every single day, we put our information at risk on the Internet. And every day, there are more and more cybercriminals that are looking for that information. You never know from one day to the next what your, you know, when your turn is coming up. And it will come up. That's why LifeLock is so important. It helps you monitor a ton more than just your credit. Uh, just your credit cards and your spending. You can't keep track of all of this stuff on your own. And nobody can prevent all identity theft 
but LifeLock is there for you, and they'll see the things that you might miss on your own, and they're there to help you clean it up with a special team. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with the promo code BECK. LifeLock.com, promo code BECK, or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is control. You're going to save 20 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV now. And now, things that don't suck Friday. Yes. Yes, indeed it is. Things, not everything sucks. Not everything. I mean... Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb. Not everything not everything sucks. There are some good things that are happening. We just told you about what was happening in uh, South Carolina and all over the country for people who are trying to stand for the second amendment. Uh and there is a big push now and everybody is, you know, going back and forth on transgender uh you know issues with people competing against uh, women in women's sports who used to be a man, yada yada. And it's been very, very divisive. And, of course, if you are on one side, you're a homophobe bigot. If you're on the other side, uh, you can do no wrong. How do we get past all of this? We get past all of this by people just having some common sense and looking at some issues with common sense. The fact that you can have that the state will allow your child to have life altering drugs. When there what was the last one I saw that the, the parents lost the right at like eight years old uh, and the child decided they wanted to be a different gender and the state said, yep, sorry. And the parents were, wait, 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 what? Eight. 12, 15, if you want to do something to your body, that's fine. But once your brain has fully developed is a probably a, a good standard. There is a Democrat uh, that is pushing uh, a trans surgery ban for minors. Now, he's a, a black Democrat, and I want to start uh, right away. First of all, welcome to the program, uh, Caesar McKnight. How are you, sir? Good morning, Glenn. How are you? I'm good. Um, I first want to start by giving you the opportunity, and I, I, I so despise that this has to be done. But you're not homophobic. You're not transphobic. You're none of the phobics. Correct? You're, you're absolutely right. And in fact, to, to, for, to further display my, the, the fact that I'm not phobic in any way, I was one of the chief persons on our Judiciary Committee fighting to put in protections in our hate crime bill for transgender, for LGBTQ people. I mean, there was a, they stripped it out in the beginning in the subcommittee and then the full committee, we were able to put it back in. So I have to tell people, are you gonna, why don't you judge me by what I've done? And that is I've worked hard to make sure that transgender people are protected from acts of violence. Right. So when I hear someone tell me I'm transphobic, I laugh at that. Right, and it's crazy how no matter what you did in the past does not matter unless you're 100% on board right now. So tell me what you're uh, what you're trying to do in South Carolina. This is becoming a South Carolina doesn't suck uh, hour. Uh, <laughs> well, what, what is it you're trying to do? Essentially, what this bill does is 
House Bill 4047 says that no child in South Carolina will be it will be able to undergo transgender surgery or transgender hormonal therapy under the age of 18. So if a person's under the age of 18, they cannot have transgender surgery. Anyone older than 18, they can. That's all it does. And why do you think, why, why are you giving 18? I mean, why, why are you coming well, up with that? I, I can't, well, actually, science says that people don't fully develop with regard to their brain until they're 25. Right. But I wanted, I, I wanted to reach a compromise. 20, mm-hmm. I knew 25 would be a bit extreme. Yeah. Um, we allow kids to smoke cigarettes at 18. We allow them to get tattoos at 18. Right. So, okay, I see this as a compromise. Yeah, I saw you uh, say that, uh, you know, it's, it's a little unreasonable that you can't get a tattoo until you're 18, but, heck, you could go have, you know, hormone-blocking <laughs> drugs, you know, when you're 12. That's a, exactly. that's I, go ahead. It's ridiculous. It, it's, it's simply ridiculous. And I, I want you to understand that I've gotten some significant blowback, but I've also gotten some significant support, particularly from people who are transgender and LGBT. They're just some people that have a political agenda. And if you aren't 1000 percent with them, you're their arch enemy. I don't I've been in the state legislature now for going on eight years. I don't deal like that. That's not how you get things done. I compromise with people. The things that I can work with you on, I work with you on. And the things that I can't, I won't work with you on. But I won't demonize you at the same time either. You know, it's uh, it's interesting uh, to me that because I think I, I know a lot of gay people. I don't think. No, I don't have any transgender friends, but wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, but uh it is it's amazing to me that usually the ones in the gay community that i know are you know they've they've pushed for gay rights and gay marriage etc cetera, etc cetera. but then after that passed they're kind of like what is the rest of this what what is happening to us and it is those few that have this extreme agenda uh that are pushing it and i i quite honestly i see that from a lot of white people uh, on the African-American community. Uh, yeah, and, and what I've tried to tell my, my white progressive friends is that African-Americans tend to be much more socially conservative than their white progressive counterparts. I'll give you an example. In my legislative district, I've got nothing but overwhelming support from this bill. I've had people who are the head of my uh, ministerial alliance reach out to me. They are all supportive of this. And my legislative district is almost 65% African-American. And even the white evangelicals that live in my community (laughs) have told me, we never voted for you before, but we will vote for you now. So to me, this issue is a win-win issue at home. And my job, number one in the legislature, is to take care of home. So they're happy. I'm happy. Let me ask you this. Um, because we just had Tom Corbett on from uh, South Carolina, I'd be interested in what you thought of his uh, unorganized militia bill. Um, I haven't really had an opportunity to study that bill in particular, but what, what I will tell you is where I stand on the Second Amendment. I'm very much so pro-Second Amendment. Um, I'll just give you a brief history. My parents ran a nightclub, liquor store, a bail bonding company, and a taxi cab company. The Holy most dangerous business you, you could have. So, yeah. it's, it's like, I, and we did it while in war. I mean, that's a, and, wow. And I, I, said all, I said all that to say this. 
I'm not going to put any American citizen in a position to where they can't protect themselves. I wouldn't do it to my parents, and I'm not going to do it to anyone else. So that's where I'm an avid hunter. I own firearms. I skeet shoot regularly. And I think that we have you can have responsible gun ownership in this country. And that's where I stand. And I'm not going to support anything that's going to take away the rights of of citizens to bear arms. I'm not as a uh, as a Democrat. How do we speak to other, you know, Democrats that have not gone all woke and crazy about the modern sporting rifle? It's an AR is what people use to hunt now. How do we well, how do we explain an AR looks spooky, but it's not any different? It, it, it's kind of hard for me to explain it to anyone. I was in the Army, so I know how to use an AR-15. I mean, that's what you learn in basic training. Right. And I think that all the people that are giving the most, you know, the most forceful blowback are talking about the AR-15 have never used one. They've never been to a rifle range. And they tr- they're trying to put this one-size-fits-all gun control thing on all of America. What works in New York City does not work in King Street, South Carolina. So I think it's a local issue and you need to let your local legislature speak to those issues. So in your district, how 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 is Biden doing? How are the national Democrats doing? Is there what? How are they viewed? Um, Well, vice president, pardon me. President Biden is very well liked in my legislative district. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really like um, President Biden. They know him. They trust him. Um, Speaker Pelosi, uh, Leader Schumer, they're 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 not they're not as highly regarded. Um, again, you're talking about San Francisco and New York City, so there's not a lot of commonality there. I mean, this is the land of barbecue, macaroni and cheese, and and various other <laughs> southern dishes there's no there ain't no tofu in right. Street, south carolina right so it's it they're not as well regarded as joe biden uh representative uh caesar mcknight from uh south carolina a democrat and a democrat i'm i'm glad you're in in office thank you so much god bless you thank you thank, thank you, you. I, I have to tell you I mean, doesn't Caesar McKnight make a good radio name? Seriously. It's a solid name. Tonight, Caesar McKnight. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that's really good. I think I was... Oh, boy, this is so embarrassing. For like one weekend, maybe no more than two shows, I think I was like John St. John in the time when everybody had to change their name. Everyone in radio was John St. John for at least a week, I think. Yeah, I might have been Michael St. Michael's. I'm not... (laughs) Something sure. Saint something something and I kept blowing it and uh, <laughs> and so one day on the air I mean I literally it was either the first show or the second show I just said okay I'm just gonna be clean with it it's Glenn Beck and that was, and it. that was it that was it <laughs> Radio Hall of Fame yes thank Good you job. very much mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> thirteen years old okay all right okay okay I'm not I'm not John St John I'm Glenn Beck and that's just the way it is. Okay, Earth, Wind, and Fire is coming up next. (laughs) All right. uh, American financing uh, will help you save money, lots of money. If you are a homeowner and you have a mortgage that's over 4%, you can save a ton of money right now. If you have credit cards, how much are you paying for your credit card interest right now? Do you even know? They are raking in the cash uh, by loaning you that money. 
and they're raking it in every time you pay the bill because you're paying mainly interest. And depending on how high that is, you not, may not be able to get out from underneath it. That's why I would recommend that you would roll it in to one consolidated loan with American Financing at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Oh, man. You know, uh, Joe Biden, he had some funny moments yesterday uh, in the press conference, didn't he? I mean, he had some pretty funny lines. I don't know who's writing for him. He's hilarious. Uh, Could we uh, please uh, play the GOP voter suppression? Uh, This is from the press conference yesterday. You're going to love it. What I'm worried about is how Mm un-American this whole initiative is. Mm -hmm. It's sick. Yeah. It's sick. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Deciding in some states that you cannot bring water hmm? to people Wait, standing in line what, what, waiting what? to vote. <laughs> Where is the deciding that you're going to end voting at five o'clock when working people are just getting off work? What? Deciding uh, that there will be no absentee ballots under the most rigid circumstances. Uh, Republican voters I know find this despicable. Republican voters. Folks out in the outside this White House. I'm not talking about <laughs> yeah. the, ele- the elected officials. Oh, you. I'm talking about voters. Who are you talking voters. to out there? Yeah. And so I'm convinced uh-huh. that we'll be able to stop this okay. because it is the okay, most riddled with problems. Thing. But wait, there's more. Jim Crow looked like Jim Eagle. Yeah. I mean, this is gigantic. <laughs> Wait a minute. What they're trying to do. Wait a minute. He, he, and it cannot be sustained. He, he says this makes power, Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Jim, Jim Eagle. It? Jim Eagle. I, I, what, after that happened, by the way, I can tell you, exa- I'll be honest with you, this is exactly what I did. Google Jim Eagle to see if it was a person I was unfamiliar with. <laughs> I was like, wait, is it, was there some other bigger racist named Jim Eagle? <laughs> I legitimately had no idea what he was talking about. And then I, I looking uh, online, I guess he was trying to say that an eagle is a larger bird, bird than a crow. Than a crow so yes. This is more racist than yeah. Jim Crow? Yes. Which, first yes. of all, is completely insane. Right. It's not true at all. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it's a very weird way of talking about things. Thirdly, the eagle is the symbol of our country, yeah. so it's weird to make that the ultra-racist example. But see, it would make sense if you're like, it makes Frankenstein look like uh, Stu Brigier. You'd at least go, okay, well, he's worse somehow or another than Frankenstein. And you'd say, no, just uglier. And then you'd move on. That would make sense. There is, this is the worst joke, but it also works on zero levels. Except, yeah, eagles are bigger than crows. This is like a, one of his weird malarkey moments that, like, is somewhere in like 1907, so someone said something like this, and he remembers I it. I did think that this is possibly a grandpa joke. You know how yeah. dad jokes are bad. Mm-hmm. This may be a great great grandfather joke. I'm not sure because I think you're right. Maybe at some point, people in the old time movies, you know, they would. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, uh, it would have been this way. <laughs> and he said, Eagle. Jim Eagle is better <laughs> than Jim Crow. <laughs> and the audience laughed. 
Maybe, maybe in those old film newsreels, that would have been good. But I don't think so. So, and again, he, what was the thing he was trying to say that they're trying to ban water? Yeah. Now, I, I've looked at the, the fact, check on, fact check on this. So there's a bill in the Georgia House. Again, there's, this is not a widespread yeah, 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 yeah. thing. It's right, one right, bill. Right, right. It, was, uh, it, it says that you can't give money or gifts, including but not limited to food or drink, to an elector. Such giveaways banned within 150 feet of a building. So it's not like somebody is trying to pass out with, you know, because they need water. I can't. I just have to stay in this line. I need water. No water. water. I need water. It's like you can't have a barbecue and hand out, you know, hot dogs and hamburgers and sodas or water within 150 feet. You can do that 150 feet away, but you can't do it and bring things to people in line. You can't do it. And uh, like, right, like, and they, they, you can set up a, a, like a self-serve thing. You just can't have people walking out and giving you water, though there could be volunteers doing it. That's not related to the election, election board. You could, you could have other ways of doing it, but they just don't want people giving out money and prizes. Right. Look, they're on the ground begging for water and Jim Eagle comes to (laughs) kick them repeatedly in the stomach. All because of those nasty Republicans. This is not a, an effort to stop people from voting. <laughs> it's just insane. Uh, uh, back so in just bad. a minute. Bill O'Reilly next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right, let me tell you about Rough Greens. Uh, Rough Greens is something I'm feeding Uno, and he loves it. Just loves it. It's not a dog food. It's something you put onto the dog food, and it changes him. My dog was easy from the very beginning because he hated eating so much, uh, and I realized, huh, wow, that's there's a problem there. Why isn't he eating? Uh, now he's, I mean, he's looking at the rough green bag every day, like, okay, when, 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 when. Easy for my dog. Your dog may not eat it, this supplement, uh, so they don't want you to have to spend any money on trying it out for your dog just to see if you'll eat it. So you get a free bag of Rough Greens. Go to roughgreens.com slash Beck or call 833-G-L-E-N-N-33. That's Glenn 33. Or call. Uh, you can call or go to the website roughgreens.com slash Beck. Get a free bag of Rough Greens to try it out. Yes. Yes, I have been waiting since uh, about 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon for this moment. It's Friday. The press conference, the the uh, president's first press conference of his uh, presidency was yesterday. And Bill O'Reilly is here to talk about it in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. You know, honestly, every time I go to sleep at night, I think about you and I think about people who say to me all the time, do you actually? Yes, I actually use the products that I talk about. Otherwise, I wouldn't talk about them. My pillow is one of those products. I sleep with my pillow every single night 
And it is strangely my favorite pillow. And I say strangely because it would not be something I would pick up and buy um, at the store because it, it, it just feels different. It's got this, I don't even know how it's, again, it's witchcraft. I don't know how they make it, but you put your fist through both ends and it fluffs up and then you don't have to do it again all night. It's weird. Uh, and I wouldn't think I love it, but I do. I love it. It is the pillow under my head every single night. My pillow. Uh, the, you'll get the best sleep with a best pillow, and they have sheets and, and everything else. Just check the new radio listener specials and use the promo code BECK. Right now, you can get their mattress topper plus two standard my pillows in one great bundle. It comes with a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. It's MyPillow.com, promo code BECK. MyPillow.com, promo code BECK, or call 800-966-3117. Good golly, Mr. Bill O'Reilly. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm okay, Beck. Thank mm-hmm. you for asking. Thanks for having me on. You bet. We're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to cut our time short today uh, because we're just so jam packed with things to do. And I, but I, I want to get through all the things that you think are important. Let's start with the president's press conference. Okay. Mm-hmm. First of all, I think you should take a listener poll on whether you should cut me short. Uh, I think already taken it. Why do you think we're cutting you short? Outrage! I got nothing uh, after you. Okay, (laughs) Uh, okay. Presidential press conference. Mm -hmm. I am going to quote Dion. Okay. All right. right. Remember Dion? Dion the Belmont? Barely, barely. But I know. All right, all right. Okay. I'm quoting Dion. Ready? Mm -hmm. Yes. They call me the Wanderer. The Wanderer. (laughs) I roam around and around and around. Unquote. Dion. That right. is, it is amazing how bad it was yesterday. Well, I'm nicknaming President Biden uh, the Wanderer mm-hmm. because he uh, gets up there and he just goes wherever he wants to go. He ruminates, word of the day, ruminates for stew. Um, but the problem is that many times when he's ruminating and wandering, he forgets what his train of thought is. Mm-hmm. He can't bring it back. So I'm talking to Glenn Beck now, everyone. Um, and we're having a discussion about the presidential press conference. And I'm making some wise guy comments. But, um, you know, if I forget my train of thought, then the whole thing crashes. He's not able to bring it back. All right. And that is a little troubling. And the other thing that was troubling yesterday is that he misstated facts. I mean, big, big facts. Now, I got a whole bunch of mail here in my lap from BillOReilly.com viewers, because we do TV every night, as you know. And they, oh, he's lying. He's lying. He's lying. I don't think he knows what he's saying. Oh, I, may I give you an example of this? Can we play the part on infrastructure? There's, this is from the same press conference. Literally 60 seconds apart from each other. Here's cut one. I still think the majority of the American people don't like the fact that we are now ranked, what, 85th in the world in infrastructure? I mean, okay, stop. 85th in the world. 60 seconds later, here he is. We have somewhere uh, in terms of infrastructure, we have, we rank 13th globally in infrastructure. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, look, it, 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 we, we live in such a high-tech age, it just whipped 
right in 30 seconds, yeah. uh, up from 85 to 13. <laughs> so right. you are agreeing with me, Beck, that he doesn't know yeah, what he doesn't. he's saying. He doesn't know. He has but no idea. Here's, here's the important part of this. Okay? He said, I'm quoting President Biden, there is a significant increase in the number of people coming to the border in the winter months of January, February, March. It happens every year. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh-huh. so he's denying that there's a border surge. Um, that's unusual. The truth is that between February 20th, that's Trump in 2020, and February 2021, Border Patrol apprehensions are up 174 percent. Yeah, but only 174. So, yeah, I mean that's only 13 percent. So you get the president of the United States looking into the camera going, hey, you know, it's not any problem. This always happens. It's not any worse now. Total lie. A hundred percent lie or 174 percent. Right. Okay. So which is only three percent. You would think that the press corps would know that this was fallacious. Another word of the day. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. And because they come armed with the facts, the press corps does. You know, everybody knows how good and brilliant they are. Not one challenge to that, and not one stat quoted by the nine reporters who were called upon. See, you interview a president in a fact-based way. You don't give them room to run like uh, Yamachi uh, Alcindor. What is her name, the PBS person? I mean, she should... She should be the PBS correspondent and Biden's spokesperson. Just run from seat to the podium and run back. Okay? So, I mean, is it, and she was second. Oh, you're Mucci. I went with Tanya Armand. Oh, you're the greatest. Okay, thank you. So, um, it, but it's disturbing for me as an American, not just as a journalist, all right, to see the president of the United States, and Biden believes it. That's and people don't believe me when I tell you this. He believes there's no problem down there. He, he oh no no no. You've, you've said this. You've it. said this for the last couple of weeks that you think he is so out of touch that he has really truly no idea what's going he had, on. Along with Elvis, he's left the building. Okay, he does. Well, but he's know. had a good. I mean, he's had a good long run. Could you please? Well, that's great. Could but you please put president. Biden and played Biden enter the Senate? This is him yesterday. Do you have it? Biden enters the Senate. Yeah. With regard to the filibuster, I believe we should go back to a position of the filibuster that existed just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago. If it holds <laughs> near stop, and dear. Stop. That was a joke. That was a jest. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. That was a jest. Okay? You think Uh, so? Yes. Uh, Yes. He was trying to be funny, but he didn't pause and smile because he doesn't know what he's saying. I'm just telling you. Look, he came in with 150 pages of notes, giant crayon written notes, giant notes. (laughs) All right? Yeah. He doesn't know. Wait, 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 wait. Have you ever seen in a press conference, uh, Wallace said last night, who's not a, you know, he's not exactly anti-Biden. 
Um, he came no, out and is, said, "This is the same Chris Wallace that said that, that Biden gave the greatest inaugural yes. speech of all time." Right? Yes, this, yes. That okay. So okay. he came out and he yeah. said last night, "I covered Reagan, and I've never seen a president come out with talking point notes like uh, Joe Biden did." Do you agree with that? Yeah, and they were written in crayon. Giant no, they letters. were not. They were not. They were yeah. typed out. Yeah, no, he comes right. out, and he she just he should just say it. He should just say it. Hey, I got a whole bunch of notes here because I don't want to screw up. If he said that, most Americans go, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, I understand. You don't want to screw up, so you're going to be precise and read off the page. Because he knew the China question was coming. Mm-hmm. And so the China question comes, he, pick, he looks down, he reads the whole answer, and that's that. But, but this, I just want to make one more point, because this is clearly, clearly should be worrisome for the American people. And this was the absolute nadir, third word of the day, of the press conference. He looks into the camera, the president of the United States says, you know what? Here's how we're solving the border thing. Now, remember. We have hundreds of thousands of foreign nationals pouring into the United States. Hundreds of thousands. All right. Here's how I'm solving it. I'm going to send Vice President Harris down to Central America with $700 million and get to the root causes of why the people are coming here. I'm going, does anyone on earth think that this is going to solve the problem? Does anyone on earth not know why millions of people in third world countries want to live in the United States? Does anyone not know that? We have to spend $700 million on root causes. Here it is, Joe Biden. If you live in Honduras, you don't have anything. You will never have anything. If you come here, you could work hard and build a good life. That's it. We don't need Kamala Harris to go down there and tell us that. You are not going to solve a problem that's been underway since the Aztecs. Do you get it? (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm sitting there. It's just, it's almost like third grade again. I'm flashing back to St. Bridget's School. It's third grade. This guy is at that level. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, we're going to try to convince him to open up and actually say what's what's on Are his mind. Are you sure you want to cut me off in, at the bottom of the hour back? <laughs> in 60 seconds, stand by more Bill O'Reilly. Uh, if you could get out of pain, if you could get out of pain, and so many people have debilitating pain, how much would that be worth to you? One day, just one day without pain. Well, let me tell you about the one day out of pain i've had it so many of our listeners have had it once we started taking relief factor and it is a blessing like you can't believe now you might have that day you might not have that day i'm being honest with you with relief factor they'll tell you the truth 70 percent of the people who try it go on to order more because it works for them But that's why they put a three-week trial pack together. Because within the first three weeks, you pretty much know, is this going to work for me or not? So uh, I want you to call 800-500-8384. Your day that is pain-free, just start piling them up day after day after day after day. 
with Relief Factor. Try Relief Factor now. The three-week trial pack starts at uh, $19.95. That's all it costs you, $19.95, to find out if you can get out of pain. ReliefFactor.com, 800-583-84. It's ReliefFactor.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Bill, tell me how you think we're moving on gun control. What do you foresee happening here? Well, it's not going to be a issue that's resolved uh, because of the Second Amendment is fairly clear and the Supreme Court as comprised is not going to ban, allow any bans or confiscation or anything like that. So all the people who want their guns and love the guns and uh, that kind of thing, you just you don't have to worry, right? But what could happen is you could have public safety compromises. For example, if you buy an AR, then you would register the AR so that people would know if it's stolen. Um, if you are a lunatic all of a sudden, that you have a heavy weapon in your house. I don't think that's unreasonable, but you're never going to get it unless the progressive left, the Democratic Party, um, compromises on gun crimes themselves. See, the stats are that mass murder, like in Colorado and Atlanta, comprise 0.02% of all gun homicides. And that comes from a University of California Davis study, not exactly a conservative bastion. So this is not the essential problem of gun violence in America. The problem is criminals selling narcotics or holding up stores using guns. That's where 76% of the homicides occur. But the progressive left doesn't want to do anything about that. In fact, they are letting gun criminals out of jail in Chicago and New York City. Do you know that? Which is why, Bill, quite honestly, I don't buy into your first uh, theory because I believe you on the second. I know those stats are right. Um, your first theory is that you don't have anything to worry about. They're not doing this for common sense. But they can't anything. overcome the Supreme Court. So you, when you say they, yeah, might it pass the House? Yeah. Could it? They jam it through the Senate. I doubt it, but it's possible. But as soon as they do, and Biden signs it, there'll be a federal uh, court challenge, and it'll be stayed, and the Supreme Court will hear it. It wasn't the last time they had an AR ban. Well, that was way back in what? 2008? Three? Uh, 2004 when, when is when it uh, slipped through. The, the, the yeah, Supreme Court when is, it ended. is, Beck, as you know, the court is much different now than it was back then. And the country is so polarized now way more than it was back then. I mean, Bush, he wanted that. The Republican president wanted that. Remember? Mm-hmm. Now, Republicans don't want any part of the progressive central government telling them what they can and can't do. Am I correct? Yes, you are. There's not one traditional conservative that wants the federal government to have more power. Not one. 
So we're living in a totally different country now. Let me uh, let me go to the filibuster. Uh, last night, here's what uh, Joe Biden said about the filibuster. The one I asked for. 50 in the votes there it is. so that the vice president of the United States can break the tie or I get 51 votes without her. And so I'm going to say something outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway. I'm, we're going to get a lot done. And if we have to, if there's complete lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. What does he mean by that? <laughs> well, he means that he's going to do what he's told to do. That's what he means. So if they tell him, they being Susan Rice and McClain, Ron Klain, uh, the chief of staff, they tell him, hey, you know, Mr. President, we got to really um, knock the filibuster out. So you got to get behind that. And uh, yeah, he will. I mean, he's going to do what he's told to do. He doesn't have any principles. He doesn't have that's gone. This is a guy who is in the White House, who is absolutely incapable of making an independent decision. Would you agree with me? Uh, sadly, I would. Sadly, okay. I would. That's where we are as a country. And I'll tell you what, next year, 2022, if Americans don't wise up, and, and it's not the Republican Party is so great. They're not. They're not. But these people are dangerous. These progressive left people are dangerous to your freedom, to your family. And if you don't get it now by watching what's happening in this country, if you don't get it, then you're going to lose your country. And I'm not saying that with any exaggeration. You're going to lose your personal freedom. You're going to lose your money. They're coming after your assets. You want that? Continue to vote. Democrats into office. Yes or no question here, Bill. Um, I just did what the Washington Post did. Uh, the Washington Post reports podcast, which was covering this. Uh, they then never mentioned the huge gaffe where he completely lost control of his faculties in the middle. Is that worth covering or not? No, not for the Washington Post. That's not right. a newspaper okay. Yeah, anymore. Right. Okay, all right. Um, Bill, we've got about uh, 60, 60 or 80 seconds. All right. Okay, Beck, here we go. Ready? Yes. Get a pen, get a paper. I got it. Pre-order Killing the Mob on BillOReilly.com. You get 50% off Killing Crazy Horse, which just passed 500,000, a half million in sales last week. Pretty good because there are no bookstores open. Yep. Killing the Mob. I sent it to Beck. Someone will read it to him no, someday. No, you have not sent it to me. Yes, I have. Okay, Pino okay, Pinocchio. Anyway, you'll love it. <laughs> You're going to read it. You'll like Crazy Horse. Bing. And then please consider premium membership on BillOReilly.com. You just heard Beck and I. All right, we gave you the truth, the unvarnished truth, which you're not going to get in the Washington Post or on cable or on network news, okay? Consider it premium membership to BillOReilly.com. Always Mr. a pleasure to have Thank uh, you. a conversation with you, Beck. Thank you very much, sir. Mr. Bill O'Reilly uh, from BillOReilly.com. We'll talk to you again uh, next, uh, next week. We have so many things that we have to get to today, uh, and we are just, we're 
filled to the gills here with uh, news and information that you need. I'm going to turn the conversation uh, to something that really no one is talking about and everyone should be talking about. Something that is really important for your personal survival politically. Uh, We talk about that after the break. Thank you very much. Well, uh, let me tell you about Genucel. They've got uh, the Zotique uh, brand. Zotique is their their big thing. Um, Zotique Deep Correcting Serum. You get that absolutely free when you get the classic Genucel for bags and puffiness. Now, it is spring. It's time to get the compliments that you've been waiting for for quite some time because no one's been able to see you. Still waiting. Right? Yeah, no, I, yeah, you don't, you don't get the compliments, Glenn. Um, it, you can get these. It doesn't make my puffiness go away. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, Zotique Deep Correcting Serum is free when you get that when you're going to back to work, whether you're still staying at home. No matter what, you want your skin to look uh, as good as it can. Uh, goodbye to puffiness, blotchy skin, crow's feet, acne scars, even those pesky sunspots. It's time to open up, get out, and feel great about how you look. Order Cell now, and Chamonix will include Cell immediate effects for results in minutes, also free. See results guaranteed, or 100% of your money back. No risk here. Go to GenuCell.com or 800-577-8709. They've also got the Genucel jawline treatment to tighten and tone the chin and neck area. It's also free. Get free priority shipping go to genucel.com g-e-n-u-c-e-l.com all right make sure you have your subscription to blaze tv.com slash glenn use the promo code control save 20 percent now this is the glenn beck program it's friday Normally on Friday, we continue with Bill O'Reilly, and that's always entertaining and important. However, there is something that is happening in the podcast that has uh, been uh, downloaded yesterday for Blaze TV subscribers. It will be available for everyone tomorrow, wherever you get your podcast. But I urge you to listen to it. Now, this is not something that is going to be mainstream and the reason why is because this is kind of like when I talk about Woodrow Wilson. Now, everybody, and it might have been you, at one point, if you're a longtime listener of mine, you'd go, why is this guy continually talking about Woodrow Wilson? And then all of a sudden you got it and you were like, oh, my gosh, that's so important that I know that. Now I understand the progressive movement, Right. They are now saying that they are looking for right wing extremists and the media and everybody else is saying that they're Christians, uh, that they're uh, white supremacists, etc., etc. And you and I both know that's not true. However, what I know that you most likely don't know is that there is a global movement that is now here in America. And I've been warning about it for how long, Stu? Least a decade? Years and years and years, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And it has fallen on deaf ears. And I'm begging you, please listen to this podcast. This 
is going to play a role and it will be a very dangerous road. It is capital T traditionalism. And if you've ever heard me talk about Alexander Dugan, this is what he is pushing. And it is happening in Europe and it is now here in America. There are three leaders, global leaders of this movement. Two of them now live in America. One, I don't think really affects us because all of his influence is in South America. Some reason or another, he's decided to move here to America, but he still is influential in South America and Brazil in particular. The other one is very involved here, and you will know the name. First, let's go to um, what is traditionalism. Listen from the podcast. If the average person was asked to define what a traditionalist is, I might define myself as a traditionalist. I believe in the Constitution. I believe in the Founding Fathers. I, uh, I believe in America. I, I go to church on Sundays. You know, I believe in, you know, God and mom and apple pie and Chevrolet. But that's not what we're talking about. Everything that you just described, I think, could be labeled traditionalist with a lowercase t. Mm -hmm. And that's the only little bit of help that we get here in, in identifying what this is. Right. When we talk about an uppercase t traditionalism, we're talking about a very, very small spiritual and eventually political movement that really comes into existence in the early 1900s. And yes, they might share with you a belief that things used to be better. Mm -hmm. Or that maybe the principles that we should live our lives through today and which we should hold to in the future were established in the past. Right. And therefore that we should be critical of the notion of progress. Right. Mm -hmm. But they wrap all that in, in something far more arcane and esoteric. And they wrap it all in, in a sort of worship of the past and also a belief that where we are headed right now is going to lead us to destruction and that that destruction is good and necessary. And, and Dugan um, describes this as and we'll get into who Alexander Dugan is in a little while. But but yeah. it, it, I don't know if this is the way the American traditionalist and we'll explain what that means here in a minute. Dugan yeah. d describes this as the the apocalypse or the end of the world as described biblically. And but they're working to bring it on because it's good. Yes. OK. Yes. And that's the way it is all, with traditionalists all around the world. It is really the biblical apocalypse. Not quite. OK. So maybe right Listen here is where we start to see a distinction between between, let's say, a conservative Christian and, a, and a, one of these capital T traditionalists. OK. So. The way, let's say, in, in the apocalypse that you would hear about in, in the Bible, in that biblical tradition, it tends to be followed by some sort of heavenly utopia. Right. Right. Um, a rapture. Right. The traditionalists instead see an earthly apocalypse as being the prelude to an earthly utopia. And it's in this that might seem like a small difference there. But oh, what so, that the, the, means, so there's no Jesus returning on this one. Not not in the sense okay. that they are talking about. OK, no, they're talking about human society, secular, political, worldly, material society returning to a utopia. Right. 
And again, that might seem like a small difference, but it means that (laughs) destruction can become the tool of a politician. This is it's it's heady stuff, um, but it is critically important. I have studied this for a long time. The podcast is with Benjamin Teitelbaum, um, and he is a guy I I swear to you, he's a he's a uh, professor but I, I, he's not a crazy professor, and he also, I don't think he agrees with me uh, on, you know, all of the policies, but we agree on principles. And uh, he is not crazy, nor is he wrong. And uh, when I found him months ago, I, I was like, you're my brother. Man, I feel like I found a brother because there's only the two of us that are ringing this bell. And he has spent 10 years studying this. And it is critical that you understand because, as he says in this, this is not a biblical apocalypse. This is a this is a mystical apocalypse. They believe that there was this great spirituality. We're we're talking about paganism. We're talking about, you know, the. the uh, druids and and things like this that there was this this great uh understanding of spiritualism in the time of the vikings etc etc and the only place that still has this see if this sounds familiar to you Stu. the only place that really still kind of has this is india and india is the home they think of still this original people, the original people, they left India and they kind of went north into Europe. They they became the Vikings and all of the all of the Tesseract and all of that stuff. Is this any of this sound familiar? Sound familiar, yeah. Okay. Where where does it, who else did this? Who else talked about this? Who else centered their entire movement on this i mean this was the nazi movement exactly right everyone thinks that the nazis were christians no they used christianity Mm -hmm. they were at they believed in this kind of stuff and what this movement is doing is infiltrating in our churches and it is traditionalism look who who's your for instance in russia Who's the biggest defender of the Orthodox Church in Russia, the Russian Orthodox Church? Putin. Who's the one standing up against, um, uh, you know, lesbian marriage? Putin. Who's the one standing up against transgenderism? Putin. How's he doing it? Because the church teaches it's wrong. He images himself as the defender of the church. This is in Brazil and South America, and it is in here in America, in our politics. And it is a stealth foreign body that conservatives, if you don't pay attention, you will get swept up and you will stand with people that you think are on your side because... We're against big state. We we think the whole thing should just be shut down and rebooted, restarted. They don't believe in individual rights. 
They believe in a global movement. You have to go beyond the surface. And if you don't know this, chances are you could go down the road and you will be on the wrong side. This is dark, dark stuff. This is really evil stuff. I got to listen to this one. This is this weekend. Does it come out tomorrow? It, no, it's out now for Blaze TV subscribers. Oh, I canceled my uh, subscription. Oh, did you really? Yeah, that, it'll come out. Stu does America. I was very. I didn't like that it'll you guys come out added that show. But uh, you know who the leader is here in America, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I intentionally don't say who the leader is uh, until about a half hour or so into it because I need you to understand it first. And when you, by the way, it's not Donald Trump, uh, when you when you hear uh, who the leader of this is and who is who sat with this guy on record and talked about it in detail and and had no problem hiding any of it, it should it will show you how uh, deep. This already is in America, and you are going to be blamed for all kinds of things if you don't cut this out. If you have and I'm telling you, American churches have already taken financing from these people because they they don't know the difference. They don't know the difference. Now, this is not what the left is talking about. It's not what the media is talking about. This is a real threat to the right. And I, I, I can only ring the bell. What you do with it is up to you. But uh, you need to watch this. You need to understand this and take it for more than just the podcast. Do your own homework after and do everything you can to make sure that those around you who believe in small government and the Constitution, the people involved with this, do not believe in the Enlightenment. They think that was a mistake. Does that sound familiar? That's also on the left. That's why this is traditionally not a right movement in America. But they are piggybacking onto it like a leech and you need to understand it it's available now for subscribers to blaze tv if you're not a subscriber um we take uh we're out front we're the largest uh, right-leaning subscription service in the world because of you um but even that the forces that are arrayed against us google facebook the federal government, everybody, um, you are the last line of defense. And if you find the information that we provide for you in our research, if you think that is important and you benefit from it or your children or grandchildren benefit uh, from it, I urge you to join our team and become a subscriber at blazetv.com slash Glenn. We'll save 20 bucks for you right now if you use the promo code control that's up after today. So please go to blazetv.com slash Glenn promo code control. When you go with real estate agents, uh, I trust.com, you uh, might think you're just getting 
a real estate agent. But guess again, what you're really getting is the agent plus an entire team of experts at his or her fingertips. If you haven't bought or sold a home in a while, take it from me, you're going to need it. Right now, it could be impossible to sell your home or impossible to know what the right price is because they're selling so fast. Then, if you're selling a home and it's selling fast in your area, what are you replacing that home with? Our agents are full-time, and they are the people that don't moonlight as real estate. These are the people that are the experts in your area. They know precisely what you need to do to have a successful sale or a successful purchase, or both. And you can get one real estate agent in one part of the country, another real estate agent in the other part. If you're having to take care of your mom or dad's uh, estate and you got to sell the house or whatever, and you're not living where they lived, we can help you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a free service to you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Glenn Beck program. Let's go to cut one here from uh, Biden's press conference yesterday. Cut one. Pat Elements, please. Is it on mute? Mr. Vice President, as you know, the AFT represent hey, teachers, Priscilla, paraprofessionals. Priscilla, the Vice President, ed- can you hear the Vice President? He just said hi. Hi, how are you? Hear me, that's okay. She just did. Pardon? Are you ready for the press conference tomorrow? Ready for the press conference tomorrow, sir. The press okay. conference. <laughs> Ron, who am I turning this over to? Well, I, well uh, thank you very much, Mr. President. I think it's uh, time for the press, our friends in the press to leave, though. Thank you. Thank you. Gosh. And I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance, whatever you want me to do. And that was it. Now, in the press conference yesterday... Um, it's several moments, several, like several moments. Let me just, uh, let me just play the, um, uh, now our music is coming up. I'm, I'm going to be out of time. You're not seeing the gaffes, uh, and they're not gaffes. They're, they're like that. What press conference 24 hours before the press conference, what press conference? He looked like a deer in the headlights. He couldn't put it together. This president unfortunately is not up to this and this is a danger to our country back in a minute staying healthy is really tough especially if you're like me and you have a sweet tooth that is uh, where built bar comes in they are really good and i know what you're thinking if it's healthy for me it sucks because that is the case with absolutely everything not with a built bar. They have three to five net carbs. They're low in calories, low in carbs, high in protein. They are protein bars, but the flavors of them are incredible. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, raspberry, mint brownie. The list goes on and on. So many flavors. Oh my and they're gosh. always coming up. There's with a new, new one. Uh, Gosh, my sister just sent. I just came out. I got another one. Incredible. Like, yeah, they're. They, I don't know how they come up with so many. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. and and they unlike any other healthy bar I've ever tasted. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code Beck15. Save fifteen percent off your next order made with real chocolate. 
Use promo code BEC15 for 15% off BuiltBar.com. That's BuiltBar.com. Dr. Scott Atlas joins us next. have a great hour coming up for you in just a second stand by first let me tell you about our sponsor sponsoring this uh half hour with limited commercial interruption uh it's gold line i want to show you something if you happen to be watching us if you're listening to us let me just do this this thing is did you check how many 144 ounces is how many nine pounds not, it doesn't it feel more th- yeah, like, than nine it's pounds. so dense. It's like so small. I guess yeah. maybe that's why it feels like mm. 20 nine pounds of gold, though, is, uh... yeah, nine pounds of gold. This is nine pounds of gold, solid gold from 1857 uh, in 1857. It was worth two thousand six hundred and forty one dollars uh, and it was going to buy some land in the Americas. Uh, and it was on a ship and it sunk just off the coast of North Carolina. It's the U.S. or the SS Central America. And for a, a century, it was on the bottom of the uh, bottom of the ocean, 7,200 feet below the surface. Well, they f- discovered it and Gold Line has acquired the rights to sell these gold ingots, if you will, um, to the public. Uh, so it is an amazing piece of history, and that is really important because uh, it's a historic item. No, I don't have this as a. No, this is not a trade with money. No, 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 no. This is not monetary. This is a piece of history. Mm-hmm. Gold line. <laughs> Ask them why I buy gold and how I buy gold and why I buy it that way. Uh, uh, when you get them on the phone, you can call them at 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE. You don't have to buy the nine-pound bar. Uh, you can buy just a few coins if you want, but get started, please. 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. We have Dr. Scott Atlas uh, on the phone with us now from uh, the uh, Hoover Institute, uh, and he has uh, uh, just written The Last Word, the Stanford Review, and we wanted to get the last word from him on coronavirus. He is, if you don't know, he's, he kind of became the anti-Fauci uh, in a way uh, and said, yeah, maybe maybe we, we don't have this one right. Welcome to the program, Dr. Atlas. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, All right. So let's look back now uh, at what we've done, what we learned, and where we are. Okay. Uh, That's a big topic. Um, Well, what we've learned, uh, first of all, there's a set of things we learned about the virus that we have known for months, by the way, and that is that it's really 
not risky for the overwhelming majority of people, but for elderly high-risk people, it's extremely uh, dangerous and uh, significantly worse than the flu. Uh, The other things that we've learned is that we know how to protect these people. We should have protected them from the beginning, uh, but that wasn't the recommendation. Instead, the recommendation was to lock everybody down and somehow indirectly protect them. And what we learned was that was a gross failure. Uh, Hundreds of thousands of Americans died many uh, of whom were in the high risk, hundreds of thousands, in fact, were in the high risk uh, category, almost all of them, but uh, a lot of them, 40% or something, were in nursing homes, which was the obvious target. Instead of protecting those people, the people uh, that were in charge of implementing policy did these lockdowns. Almost the entire country, almost every governor did lockdowns, and those were the policies that were recommended by the people without not me, but by the other people on the task force. So the people that are saying somehow there was a bad result that advocated for the lockdowns are criticizing what was implemented that they recommended. They criticize people like me who decided and knew that the lockdowns were going to be a disastrous, uh, harmful uh, way to pursue policy. And they criticize those of us who, who criticize that as if their policies were not implemented. Can, their policies were implemented. That means the policies advocated by the people like Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, and all the governors implemented the lockdowns, and they were proven to be not just ineffective at stopping the virus, but they were extraordinarily harmful. And, uh, you know, we can see that by looking all over the world, as well as our internal comparisons. Uh, if you want me to talk more about well i i want to i want to actually uh go back at towards the beginning of uh, something you said when you said that we found out that it's not as uh deadly except for older people you know we've had these things before in the past we've we've had uh well polio was a was a big one um and we didn't do uh, this kind of a lockdown can you find anything in history that you would compare covid with that we've seen in the past and didn't destroy our economy and 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 lock everybody up well there were previous pandemics that were very deadly including uh pandemics that were more deadly to younger healthier people uh it was never there's never been a lockdown like this before and never and the and it's obvious why. In fact, the classic pandemic preparation paper, I think, was written in something like 2009. I may be wrong about that. Uh, but that that paper that is referred to as the classic uh, way to think about these management of something like a pandemic said very explicitly that we do not lock down because of the harms of the lockdown, because of the inability of human beings to function in a healthy way with a lockdown and it was extremely unadvisable uh, to do such a thing so it's never been done and it will never hopefully be done again uh, mm-hmm. although i'm wary of that yeah because if i if i can say something that i didn't really finish with which is you asked me what we learned and and i wrote this in that paper the last word because what we really learned were two shocking thing. I'm afraid what of we these. learned was the massive power of the government 
And we never, I don't think, consciously realized that the government could shut down society, close your jobs, close your businesses, close your schools, quarantine you inside your home, stop you from seeing your own family. We never understood that kind of power existed. And the second part that we learned that shocked me even more as an American was that people were going to just say okay to that. Yeah, that's that's that, that passive response, that, yep. that acquiescence to such an extraordinary draconian restriction on your own personal liberty was a shock to me that people went along with that. Is as it, they have and continue to do. Is it because it came uh, so slowly? Because everybody was willing to do it, you know, for 15 days. And then we even understood, well, we're going to wait until Easter. Uh, but then after Easter, it was kind of like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what, what? No, we can't continue to do this. And it allowed those first two kind of allowed people um, to position anyone who was against it as somebody who wanted grandma to be dead. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of looking back on it, trying to figure out how this has evolved into what we have today, which is, by the way, in my opinion, a completely and wholly damaged American psyche that mm. will potentially never come back. I, I'm, I hate to be cynical like that, but I, I have my doubts. Uh, but what? Why did this happen? Well, first of all, of course, fear, and and that's understandable. The the fear that was invoked by the completely inappropriate pronouncements of the World Health Organization at the time that started this whole thing uh, about this fatality rate. That of course I was afraid too. This extraordinary fatality rate that was probably fifty times what it really is, mm-hmm. and the uh, the idea that everyone, the calculations of the models that were uh, originally uh, originally in the UK, that assumed that everyone was at equal risk. Right. Okay. Which again is a massive hypothetical error, and uh, that kind of fear and uh, was of course. It shows you what the impact of fear is on on human beings, and and that's sort of understandable. But then what happened was uh, the media, and uh, there's some fascinating data about this, particularly the American media, recklessly, irresponsibly created fear. They they and I don't know if it was because or only because of the election year. I think a lot of it probably was politically mm-hmm. motivated in the beginning. Uh, but I think at this point, uh, people over several months and by the time I got to Washington and I didn't get there till uh, end of July, beginning mm-hmm. of August, uh, by then there was a damaged psyche. This was an obsession, an addiction. The fear was not going to be overcome when uh no matter who won the election and i and i i actually people said oh well when the president biden wins yeah there this will be over i didn't think so and of course it has not been over it, it is and so it's, the fear and the the fear mongering by the media uh which is really extraordinarily harmful what was the sort of ingredient it is extraordinary how different parts of the country reacted to this um people in new york they're still terrified of it uh, here in texas um we're not so afraid of it we we have a healthy uh fear of it uh and we just take precautions but we know who's most at risk you go into california you go into new york or better yet they come here 
they just almost don't even know how to be in society anymore. Yeah, well, I live in California. <laughs> so you know. And, uh, you know, uh, the, what's, what's extraordinary is, is the fear. Uh, what's extraordinary is a complete lack of critical thinking. There's been a gross, gross distortion of the data by the people who are the faces of the, of the so-called public health world. Mm-hmm. But worse than that, it, there has been a direct spreading of pseudoscience and direct harm to the public. Uh, and we've seen it time and time again, literally pseudoscience, yet they lash out at those of us who do analyze it correctly and claim we are using pseudoscience, including my friends at Stanford, uh, who uh, don't understand that, for instance, the six-foot rule that we have been living by religiously was pseudoscience. It was never scientifically generated. The World Health Organization used three feet from the beginning, as did many countries, Austria, Finland, Sweden, China, Singapore. I can go on and on. There's no problem with using three feet, even and not saying three feet the correct number, but it's an arbitrary designation to say six feet. And now that we know it's wrong, where is the uproar? Where is the instant admission of error and the, and more importantly, instant change of everything to three feet? Why is that not being done? I think this is a serious example of people having bought into something, no matter, even when it's proven wrong, they are still well, wedded to it. And it's you, relevant because that, that is a big difference between a functioning business, a functioning restaurant, a functioning school, and not three feet is a, is a very different number from six feet. Well, I will tell you this. Also, you can't expect outrage when people will go to a restaurant and have to wear a mask while walking to the table. But then you can take the mask off while sitting at the table. That is the most I mean, that is almost magic in its thinking. Well, um, and it's also it. Go ahead. It's sorry to interrupt, but it, it's it's completely irrational. Okay, and yes. I'll tell you why it's irrational. Exposure does not happen when you're walking past somebody. The CDC even defines exposure as sitting in some being in someone's personal space for 15 minutes or more. The only time you're going to be exposed in a restaurant is when you're sitting at the table with the people you're with. You're not so, going to be exposed by walking to your table. Yet this is the uh, sort of topsy-turvy Alice in Wonderland logic that we use here in this country. It's completely off the rails. I can't even emphasize enough how irrational the behavior is. I mean, the biggest example uh, is how we double down on stringent requirements in the low-risk environment. Yes. What do I mean by that? The schools. There's no safer environment than a school, yet that's where we're testing, that's where we're setting up these barriers, that's where we're not even opening the schools in many parts of the country, or even colleges. It's a low-risk environment compared to the community. It's healthy, younger people for the most part. Of course, the high-risk people, they can be protected, they can be vaccinated, whatever, but the low-risk environments don't need mass testing every single day, closure, etc. Airplanes are a low-risk environment. There has never been significant outbreaks of cases on airplanes. There have been cases, but the data on airplanes is not showing that it's a high-risk mm. environment, yet the airplanes were, were told 
I was, you know, I just flew somewhere, you know, it must be on a two hour flight. You're told more than a dozen times to put your mask on in between bites, in between sips. Meantime, the air filtration system on an airplane is much more effective than anywhere else. But so schools, low risk environments, we have the most stringent requirements. This is the, the complete lack of rational thought going on. And again, it's an indication of a severely damaged psyche. You walk around outside in California, outside, outside, and you'll see young people, young healthy people who are extremely low risk to begin with, wearing a mask alone, riding their bicycle, in their car alone, wearing a mask. This is totally irrational. It is pseudoscience. It's like carrying a magic quarter inside your pocket. All right. We're talking to uh, Dr. Scott Atlas. Um, well, let me take a one minute break and then I want to come back and talk to you about what the uh, former director of the CDC has just said about this. Uh, and uh, he, he's going to be called, uh, you know, a witch for saying it. Uh, we'll get your reaction in just a minute. Nobody's a big fan of paying more to fix your car than what your car is even worth. Call me old-fashioned, but that's the way I am. If you got a car, it's uh, probably one of the more expensive things that you own. And it is certainly one of the most vital things for your ability to live your everyday life. So it's incredibly important that you can take care of it. If something breaks down, do you have all the money to repair a chip that has gone down? Could cost you thousands of dollars. Well... Have uh, have uh, Car Shield take care of all of it. Car Shield uh, with Car Shield taking cover taking care of covered repairs is really simple. They have customizable, affordable plans that will keep you on the road. They'll keep you covered. Now there may be a deductible that may apply, but I'm telling you, you a you get to design the um, the coverage yourself with them. Uh, and uh, it's a lot different than having to pay for a chip. Uh, they also have roadside assistance 24-7. They write the check to the repair shop or to the dealership. You don't have to worry about any of it. Get coverage today. Carshield.com. That's carshield.com. Use the promo code back and save 10%. 10 seconds. Station ID. So we're with Dr. Scott Atlas. Scott, let me ask you uh, about what the former director of the CDC has just come out and said. And that is he believes that this did come from uh, the uh, from the uh, uh, laboratory in China, that it escaped. It wasn't intentionally set, but it did come from that laboratory in Wuhan. Any comment on that? Yes, I, I actually just read Dr. Redfield's statement, or at least uh, the interpretation of the statement. Um, yeah, I, so I've, I've always felt that way. I don't have any <clears throat> proof on that, and I think he said we'll see also. I agree with him uh, that the most likely scenario is that it came out of the lab. It does not mean uh, necessarily that it was created Correct. in a lab or that it was intentionally uh, let out from a lab. But we can't even, but, say, uh, that's, we can't that's even say that likely scenario. We can't even say that anymore without being called conspiracy theorists. Look, all, all I want is the truth. 
I don't care. I don't think that the Chinese went and uh, made this virus and then intentionally released it. But we have to know the truth. And you I mean, what happened to science in the last year? Yeah, I think uh, this is a, you know, there's a couple things embedded in your question. Um, Science has become, uh, I think, science and expertise have, have been destroyed. Uh, we'll see if it's permanent. There's certainly a massive amount of politicization of science. The best journals in the world, uh, New England Journal, Lancet, Science, Nature, uh, Journal of the AMA, have become completely politicized, editorialized, and in fact have published, you know, defamatory garbage. Uh, it's embarrassing. Uh, the second part of that is that the the uh, undermining of the term expert mm-hmm. has been really destructive, I think, because uh, with this sort of censorship, this outrage, this uh, failure for people to say they were grossly wrong and instead lash out and defame people like me who were correct, and I was correct over and over again about every single thing, uh, as were others, uh, those people who have... Uh, continue to sort of twist and distort my words and others have undermined the entire process of seeking the truth so that we need to solve crises like this. And so that kind of heavy-handed rebuking, uh, censorship, bullying, uh, and all these official and unofficial statements emanating out of universities, uh, including my own, yeah. I really have been harmful because what happens is you get uh, the we're, second part of that. Sorry, we're, we're out of time. Dr. Scott Atlas, the last word. Find it at StanfordReview.org. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Sorry, I hate network breaks where I don't have any choice. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Rectech. It is going to be beautiful uh, here in Texas uh, this weekend, and I will be cooking Mm-hmm. On my rec tech. Now, this is the time of the year that I will actually stay outside, but I don't have to do any of the work. I literally I burn everything on a grill. There is no mm-mm. there's I don't know how to do it. I'm 50 some years old. I still don't know how to grill right. That is the biggest thing that the rec uh, tech has uh, brought into my life is I don't burn really good food anymore. Because it does everything uh, that I need it to do. It it's okay. It's smarter than I am. Okay, you know it's like you got to be smarter than the door. Yeah, that's an insult. But you got to be smarter than Rectech. I gotta. It is. It is. It's smarter than me, and it has smart grill technology, and it will tell you when everything is ready to go. All you have to do is put it on, turn it on, and. do what it says. Rectech, R-E-C-T-E-Q.com. Rectech.com. Check it out now. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is control for 20% off your subscription now to Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Thank you so much for listening. Do you remember? Do you remember when we uh, when we when we went back to? Uh, w- w- uh, I want to talk about the Suez Canal. You, by the way, you're talking in my ear. Um, uh, we we're talking about the Suez Canal, uh, but I want to go back to a time when we were talking about the USS Fitzgerald. 
Uh, the USS Fitzgerald was a giant cargo ship, and it was heading south away from Japan, about 64 miles off the coast. And then uh, another ship was heading southeast, but at 1.21 a.m., it made a 90-degree turn and was heading. It would have missed the Fitzgerald. But five minutes later, it turned again, this time back east, directly towards the U.S. ship. Do you remember when this happened? You don't even listen to me anymore, do you? No, not, not usually, no. So the two collided at 1 o'clock in the morning. This is off the coast of, uh, I think, when was Japan. This? this is a few years ago, a couple of years ago. Okay. okay? Um, and uh, they collided. And if you look at what happened... The uh, the crystal, the ACX crystal, which is the boat that rammed the U.S. Navy ship. They said we couldn't control the boat. We lost all control of the boat. We lost power. Right. And it was clear that it was steering, but they weren't steering it. Okay, And uh, it it was something the Navy was investigating. Is somebody hacking in to these ships to be able to just take over any ship and then use them as a ramming device. The only reason why I bring this up is because what happened in the Suez Canal, the Suez Canal, in case you don't know, is super important for everybody's economy. And it has been for a long time. In World War II, uh, it was so important. The Suez Canal was so important. They put these giant lights on the Suez Canal because the oh, no. ger- <laughs> not this again, not, not the Suez Canal World War Two story again. Really? Again, I don't think I've ever told it <laughs> yeah. on the air. Have I? I don't know if you've ever told it on the air, but uh, you've told it to everyone in this building 54 times. Hey, there was a big light on the Suez Canal World War Two. <laughs> No, it the was, only then tell the story. Tell the story. I you know it so well. I don't remember it or was listening to it at any point <laughs> you when are you told the it. Worst. You are the worst. No, actually. you are the worst. This is uh, this is a great story. It involves a magician. It, I mean, it's a great story. I know the reason I know the Suez Canal light is because you have it in your office. Yes, and it's that's why I your, tell the story because people go and they come in I, and they're like, "What is that? What, I, I what is that?" In, hold on, I got to call into the board. I want to show. I want to show people this. You are the worst. <laughs> no, I want to. Okay. What is on. your wait? What is your what is your oh. point? No, I want to show. I want to show people. People. Do they have this? Okay. Here, I want to show people exactly. Good. Show them, show them the light. light. Show them the light. Hold on. I'm walking down. I'm walking down the hallway now. Let's see. To your office. Uh huh. And uh, first of all, that you're not a pack rat at all. I just want to make sure. Just in the in the hallway. <laughs> this is. You've got dresses for movies here. No, that, that's, that's, that's Dorothy and the flying monkey outfit. And no, the, sure it is. Uh-huh. Okay. Then over here, we've got all the Star Wars stuff all over. Just randomly. Yeah, there's that's Darth Vader cool. hanging out. That's cool. Hey. Have you seen, hey, by the way, have you seen the C-3PO that just came in? We have to have it repaired. We, I guess we have some people from. Hey, here's the, oh, look, it's Abraham Lincoln's head in a box. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, all right. I'm trying to tell the story about the Suez Canal. Office. <sighs> all right. Go now with the Suez Canal. Oh, there's Jeffy. Hi, Jeffy. You keep him around, Just too, and no random. one understands it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a giant robot. Yeah. Okay. We got it. We got it. We got it. I can't believe you're here. making fun of me on this. This is a great story. 
Oh, is it? Yeah, it is. Here it is. Look at this. This is in his office. Okay. There's just a giant spotlight next to his polar bear, of course, obviously. <laughs> just a giant spotlight. From the Suez sitting- Canal. From the nineteen right. from the nineteen forties during the Second World War. And why is and it important? Here, Wait. What's what is this? You just have a bow. It's just a bow on his desk. You know what it's it is. It's just a bow. Shut up. I just, just a bow got sitting that. on his desk. I ju- that's just it's It's what? Nothing. It's what? Nothing. Huh? Nothing. It's a, it? it's a it's a it's an important bow. It's all it is. It's you know, it's a nothing. It was just something um that you know that I just uh you, you don't want to tell people what it is. <laughs> no, because you're going to make fun of me. That's why. Why else am I here? This is, of course yeah. I'm making fun of you. Yeah. Uh, this is the, the bow from Hunger Games. Cat, Katniss, right? Or whatever. Katniss's bow. Why did you listen to that story and you didn't listen to the... Tell me about the magician. You well, have Katniss been in my hot. room a million... Ad- okay. Turn him off. Turn him off. Uh, here's... Here's the thing. It was so important because so much material goes through oil, everything. If you lose the Suez Canal, you have to go all the way around Africa and it adds at least 14 days. And is he still out in the hallway just making fun of me? What are you doing? I was just walking back to the studio. I didn't know I was back on. (sighs) So uh, anyway, so everything goes through the Suez Canal. I believe there is a chance that uh, this ship might have been uh, digitally hijacked. Because how come that is never? (laughs) Stu, would you please come back in the studio? This is like you looking in a mirror here, Glenn. Look at that. (laughs) Shut up, you jerk. (laughs) <laughs> he's now in the lobby and uh showing the head of the stay puff marshmallow man you incredible jerk okay so anyway uh hurry up come on back in real quick okay you're just in time you're just in time to hear the suez canal spotlight story <laughs> So that spotlight, they tried to confuse the the uh, uh, Germans. I think it was the Germans that were uh, trying to bomb the Suez Canal to stop the flow of oil uh, into uh, into unoccupied Europe and uh, Great Britain. So they uh, they put these giant spotlights down on the canal and then they hired a magician to put some sort of spinner inside of those lights and those lights would come up onto the uh, planes and it wasn't just to uh, spot the plane so you could shoot them down in that case it was to disorient the pilots so they couldn't bomb the uh, Suez Canal now a pack rat would have found the spinners I, I don't have the spinners so you don't have the spinners. I don't have you the spinners. You just have the light from the right. Suez Canal. It's not to say that I haven't looked and spent <laughs> years looking for the spinners. Uh, but uh, anyway. So if you happen to have those Suez Canal spinners out there and you want to buy them. Is that not a great story? Seriously. I mean, now it's not because I didn't <laughs> tell it well because he was involved. But that's a great piece of history. 
And that we went to a magician to save the Suez Canal? Come on. Can we go back to a magician to save the Suez Canal oh now? Gosh, that I'd would like be nice. Needs a magician to save this stupid break <laughs> in this show up from you. Uh. American financing. American financing is. Uh, well, they stop looking at me. I'm just ki- stop it. I'm, I'm curious not. if American financing can provide a loan to buy a spinner for the Suez Canal. Do they offer that type of lending program? Is that something? I mean, if you went to them with a with a great credit score, they'd be like, you know what? Here's here's hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy a light. How, it would not be hundreds <laughs> of thousands of dollars. It would not. It would be cheap because nobody would know what it is. It's like the rat that I have from Ian Fleming. A rat. Ian Mm-hmm. Yeah, you is know this, the rat the story, and you know up. this is a yeah, you know that's a great piece of history and a great story. Oh, it's a great story. I don't know that I want to own the rat. With then the you explosives. just have a story that everybody goes, huh? But you don't have the rat, and you could say, look, this, this is, is the history of this rat, and they're like, I can't believe you have a rat in your office. And then when you tell them the story, they're like, that is cool. That is, it's a cool. If you're going to yeah. have an explosive rat, that's the one to oh, have. Oh my gosh, you mm-hmm. are such a jerk. <laughs> Such a jerk. American financing can help you with your mortgage like they help Stu. And I'm going to call them to make sure that they don't ever help him again. Uh, Whether it's home loans, mortgage refinancing, or other forms of debt consolidation, American financing can have you covered. Their dedicated team of mortgage consultants are going to take care of you and help you get your financial house precisely where it needs to be. You know, I didn't even get to the point of why I was talking about the Suez Canal. Thank you for that, Stu. In the, the uh, coming months, they are bound to be interesting, to say the very least. Now is the time to get a hold of your finances and make sure that you're ready for whatever comes. <laughs> and as I say that, I think, I spent that money on that stupid rat and that damn light. Anyway, American Financing. Be more responsible than I am. American Financing at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. American Financing, NMLS 182334. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. The Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, today is the last day you can get 20% off your subscription to blazetv.com. If you find some of the work that we do to be valuable, we would ask that you would join us and become a team member at blazetv.com slash Glenn uh, promo code control. Uh, it's worth the price of admission and worth the uh, price of your subscription. It certainly we invite is. you. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, it was fun to make fun of you on the radio, but I was I was ready to start fresh. I was ready to start fresh. Yeah. Well, I just think I think people should consider the fact that there was just a moment where on uh, if you're watching on Blaze TV, you got to see your face side by side with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man as we discussed how it looked like you were just looking into a mirror. (laughs) And I never really saw the resemblance. We're. Were you, are you made of marshmallow or did you give birth to the marshmallow man? Because you are definitely related, I would say. <laughs> and the decapitate, decapitated uh, Abraham Lincoln head was a nice touch. Uh, typical conservative racist would want to decapitate Abraham Lincoln. And that's what Glenn has done. He's got, no, a, he's got Abraham Lincoln you in a You know what that head is. You know what that head I is. I know what it is. It's a, it's a symbol 
of your hate. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln's decapitated head is living in a box in our studios. It's the, not on display. Not, by the way, it's not. I mean, it's just dark. You know and, what it is? No, it is. Do actually, you not know what it's it is? It's actually a really cool story. Okay, right. This this one I think I did listen to. Go ahead. So large. All this is the outline. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Disney was working on something. Walt Disney was working on something with Abraham Lincoln, a robot of some sort. Oh my uh, gosh! An Abraham you Lincoln are, robot. And then I he, mean, this is this but, is this is this is like a father and his son. As the father <laughs> is listening, all right, tell me what you've learned. What have right. you taken? And he tells it this way. This it is makes how, me want to hang myself. You should understand. This is how everyone hears your stories. <laughs> Okay. I just want to be straight up with you. Okay. Right. Okay. So an Abra- there was an Abraham Lincoln robot he was building, but it wasn't ready. And But they needed, the- it was almost ready to be shown on TV or it live. And Walt Disney needed to light the robot, like input lighting on it, but it wasn't ready. So he took a styrofoam Abraham Lincoln head and put it on a broomstick so he could light it before the robot was ready. You have the styrofoam head. How close am I to that? That's not bad. I'm, I think it's a 75% of the facts. Of that you story. must remain 50 feet away from any artifact. <laughs> I right? want a restraining order I thought, uh, from, from on you. I got to say, that was better than I that thought was- I'd do at the beginning of the story. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that is the outlines okay. of the story told very poorly yes but, i didn't say i was going to tell it well but uh thank you for that but thank it is you kind for, of a cool you have a lot of these items around here and are these that eventually go into the museum next yeah, yeah, door? yeah yeah because the museum yeah. is apparently like legit I, I always think of you as like a uh just a pack rat that just buys weird weird things mm-hmm. no but it's like reality, they all tell the american story yeah. they all are a part of little people uh yeah i mean for instance the Suez Canal light that that's that that is not the story of the Suez Canal. That's the story of somebody thinking, how are we going to confuse the uh, the Germans? How are we going to get this canal to remain open and them not bomb any of the Suez Canal? I don't know. Somebody thinking out of the box and going, have we called a magician? I mean, who thinks of that? <laughs> that is a strange who thinks of that. Mm-hmm. And then the magician getting the call and going. Yes, I think I can develop something that will confuse the pilots. That that's a great story. It's, it's pretty always amazing. about the individual coming up. It's not government. It's the individual coming up with something that has never been done before. That happens over and over. And Matt over Ridley's again. book, How Innovation Works. We talked to Matt Ridley a few months yeah. ago. That whole book is filled with the the most important things in your life that are developed not by like some crazy expert, but by people just playing with things, tinkering with things on their own and, you know, coming up with incredible things that have changed the world. Correct. I mean, and and that is that's the American story. Hmm. That's what you lose. You know, when they talk about infrastructure investment, we don't invest in They're not talking about roads and bridges. What they're really talking about is investing your tax dollars into companies to have a public private partnership so we can beat China on things. We're way ahead of China on many things, on many things, most things. Chips, the computer chips, they are 10 years away from being able to make their own computer chips. And the only reason why they're that close is because they had to steal our technology. 
we don't need these public-private partnerships. We need government to get out of the way. The American people will and always have led the way and found the way to do the impossible. It's not a giant corporation. It is not a giant government. It's the individual that matters, not the collective. Have a safe weekend. This is the Glenn Beck Program.